be able to see. A couple of questions. Uh, if you're new here, there's a church that likes to interact a little bit, or I try to get us to interact a little bit. So um, we're gonna, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. The second one's going to be easy. The first one is also going to be easy. And then throughout the sermon, I'm going to ask you many questions and give you the correct answers. So we're good? Ryan's good. Ryan's good in the front. All right. Um, tell me one thing. One thing that you have gotten better at through repetition. Legitimate question. All right, well, our online community is engaging already. Dominique says that she, this is a good one to start off with because we're in church, uh, praying. She's gotten better at praying because as soon as she wakes up, she spends time with God. She's made it a habit to do that. Make sense? Okay. Uh, Connie, watching online today from somewhere, says she's gotten better at keyboarding. About half of you will know what that is. For the other half, that's typing on a computer screen. Not a screen. I don't even know what it is. Okay, somebody else. What's one thing you've gotten better at through repetition? Praying. You say praying? Okay, good. Good. What else? Knitting. Elena, I noticed that online when we asked this question on Friday, you said you've gotten better at baking, sewing, knitting, musical instruments, the basics of raising kids, walking, talking, speaking, and oh, I hope preaching, right? Thank you for, for answering that. Really appreciate that. I'm glad you're here today too. All right, somebody else. What have you gotten better at through repetition? Singing. I hear you got a great voice, McCabe. I'm not going to ask you to sing a solo because that is just, I learned never to do that myself or anybody else, but good, good. Patty Hands online says she's gotten better at cooking and sewing and apologizing. Apologizing in general, not for the cooking and sewing. <laughs> You're here too. It's good. Thank you, Patty. Janet um, says she's gotten better at making three-pound cinnamon rolls. Ooh, at least I think that's how I read it. If I read it wrong, Janet, I'm sorry, but you got a church coming to your house this afternoon. <laughs> she's also gotten better at cooking and crafting. Uh, Becky says she's gotten better at staying out of arguments. Man, that takes, that takes work. That takes practice for sure. Anybody else? Ken? Online, you said you've gotten better at doing taxes. You've done over 25,000 of them. Ooh, thank you. I'm glad you've gotten better at that. Um, any problems early on? No? Okay. Just repetition. That's good. Anybody else? Shooting. Okay. Thank you. From our military. Uh, he has gotten better at it. Yes. Playing the trumpet. Absolutely. Because you've got to practice that, right? Over and over and over again. Good. Good. Scrabble? Who said Scrabble? <laughs> Remind me never to play you because I get whooped in word games. All right, Sherry? Baking cherry pies. Baking cherry pies. So once you're done at Janet's house, go to Sherry's house. All right, I love it. Thorin, one of our younger online participants, he's also here in house today. He's gotten better at backflips on the trampoline because he started practicing and practicing and practicing and finally got it. Okay, for these things that we've gotten better at, we've had to do them over and over and over again, right? Just say yes, that's the proper answer. Yes. 
Yes. Okay, second question I told you I was going to ask. This one's easy. What global sporting event starts later this week? Friday or Saturday? <laughs> Quidditch. Maybe. <laughs> the Summer Olympics. Yes, the Summer Olympics. Now, as you know, these athletes are the best in the world, right? Best in our countries, best in the world, and they get that way through practice. They get that way through repetition, through repeating certain skills over and over and over again. I was thinking about the different athletes and the different sporting events this past week, realizing that I think all of them have one specific skill that they practice, whether or not they all know they practice that or not. Okay? It's the skill of turning. Turning. Let me, let me uh, give you examples. Swimmers, no matter what stroke you're in, front crawl, butterfly, backstroke, if your race is over 50 meters long, because that's how long the Olympic pool is, you have to practice turning. Yeah, right? So a 50 meter, the, all the answers are going to be turn, okay? So a 50 meter or a 100 meter front crawl specialist not only has to practice a front crawl, but they have to practice their, oh, good. How about a backstroke? If it's a thousand yard backstroke race, what do they have to practice? Turning. You guys are smart. Okay? That's good. Let's go to a different, let's go to a different, uh, a different event. Women's gymnastics. All right? Those, those women are crazy. Right? Look at the balance beam. Now, not only do they do like the balance thingies and the flip thingies and the twist thingies, those are the technical terms for them. Okay, but if they get to the edge of the balance beam and it's not time for their dismount, they have to go back to the other end. What do they have to practice? Turning, right? And then they do a couple bendy, twisty, flippy, balancey things, get to this side, still not time for the dismount. What do they have to practice? Ron, you're getting it, aren't you? Ron's was like, I know where he's going with this. Men's gymnastics on the pommel horse. They're spinning, they're spinning. It's from one end to the other end. If they get to here and it's not time for their dismount, they have to practice their turn. You guys, Ryan, you gotta say it louder than that, okay? Ryan, let's talk about men's basketball. U.S. men's basketball has had a couple of hiccups this last week, but they're gonna, they're gonna do all right, okay? They're, they're, gonna, they're gonna turn. <laughs> well said. Well said. So if they are taking the ball down one direction in the court and the other team steals it, what do they have to do? Turn, because it is a turnover. Right. Right. Okay. This one might seem like a bit of a stretch, but it's really not. Guy named Noah Lyles. If you don't know the name, you're going to know the name. He runs the 200 meters. He is fast. All right. Now, the 200 meters, there's three basic starts to the race. There's, the, there's three basic elements. There's the start. There's the final 100, the straightaway, and then there's that part on the curve. Oftentimes, that's called the, the turn, right? You guys are a smart group. Noah Lyles is so good because he dominates the turn. Now, each of these athletes, you get the point. I could keep going all the way down all the different sports, but each of these athletes get good at repeating. They get good at, at, at their turn because they practice over and over and over. They're, they're doing reps, now, here's a question. Do we need to work on our reps and our turn? The answer to that is yes. Okay? And I'll tell you why in a second. Let's pray. Father, anytime we can gather, anytime we can come before you, we realize who we are in relation to you. 
We recognize that you are awe-inspiring and holy, and we are not. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, you have enabled us to come before you. Lord, this morning, as we open up a potentially a familiar psalm, I ask that you would help us see it in a new way. Would you help us leave this morning changed people? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week, if you were here, uh, anybody remember what I preached on? I won't be offended if you don't. Sin and starts with C and rhymes with confession. Confession, good. Ryan knows it. Ryan's on top of it. We talked about sin and confession last week. This is part of our ongoing Basics of the Faith sermon series called the Catechumenate. Today we start another two-week sermon series on repentance and grace. So today we're going to talk about repentance. It's the, it's the next natural step in our basics. Now, the word repentance, what does it start with? Well, re, yes. Well, you guys went all the way further back. It starts with rep. I told you we're going to talk about reps today. Grab a Bible if you have one. Grab your phone if you don't. There's a Bible app in there or on our church app. You, you can click on the link and get there. Turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Now, it may be that when I just say that, some of you already know what that psalm's about. Some of you may be able to recite parts of it. Some of you at least know the basic story behind it. But for those that don't, let me give a brief recap. Psalm 51 is believed to have been written by King David after the prophet Nathan went and called him out on his extracurricular activities with Bathsheba. Called him out on his sin. The story can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, but for those that don't know the story, here it is. It was a time when kings went to war. And David stayed home. One day he's up on top of his palace. He was surveying his kingdom and he saw somebody bathing. He was quite attracted to her. Doing what kings do, he took what he wanted. She was not his to take, but he did anyway. She got pregnant. David tried to cover it up. He brought uh, Bathsheba's husband home from war because that's where he was and tried to get them to snuggle. They didn't. David then sent him back, made sure that he was killed, and then made sure to marry Bathsheba before the baby came. That's the story, okay, in brief. Not a pretty picture, is it? If we were just to know this much about David, we would know him as a lazy, adulterous, lying, scheming murderer. There's a bigger picture to it, but if we were just to look at this story, that's kind of what he was. Now, not too long after this took place, God sent the prophet Nathan to David to call him out. And Nathan did so brilliantly, did did so through story. And David realized the severity of his crime, realized his sin, and later, we're not sure when, but later penned Psalm 51. I'm going to read it out loud. You can follow along in your Bibles. Uh, This is the New Living Translation that I'll be reading from. David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the inward parts, teaching me wisdom even there. 
Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Verse 8. Oh, give me back the joy again that you, you have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing your forgiveness, of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. Verse 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favor on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be again sacrificed on your altar. My guess is that many of you have heard sermons on Psalm 51 before. Okay? I've heard sermons on this psalm as well. But as I studied it this past week, one thing jumped out. King David was taking reps, and he was practicing his turn. Okay? King David was taking reps, and he was practicing his turn. The turn starts in verses 16 and 17. It said, you don't desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Broken and repentant heart. Repentant heart. What, what's the first three letters in that word? Rep, right? Now, David's practicing his reps and, and his rep of turning. Now, here's why I say this. The, the Greek word for turn is metanoia. And it literally means to change one's mind. It means to do an about face. It means to turn. And in the catechumenate video this past week, Jerry Sitzer said this was a very specific turning towards God. So not just a random turning, but a turning towards God. So hear that verse again, verse 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. You will not reject a broken heart that is turning towards you, O God. Now, if we keep the simplicity of that definition of repentance being to turn towards God, then what we see throughout the rest of the psalm is David turning to God. When David was on the roof overseeing what he saw, who was he thinking of? The answer is himself. Himself. Okay, so when David tried to cover up the sin with Bathsheba, who was he thinking of? Himself. When he sent Bathsheba's husband back to the battlefield to get killed, who was he thinking of? Himself. This entire story is about himself until Nathan calls him out. And from that point on, we see David slowly shifting his focus away from himself and to God. Now, this starts with a recognition of who he is, at least in that moment. We see this in verses 3 to 6. David says, I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. David realizes 
in that moment who he is. A sinner, a murderer, an adulterer. And he said it was against God that he had sinned. Now, if you read this, some of you may be thinking, because I thought, wait, what about Bathsheba? What about her husband? Didn't David sin against them too? Well, the answer to that is yes, all right? But David just says against you. Here's the first part of verse 4, I think. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. Why did David just say against God alone? Why not add Bathsheba? Why not add her husband? Well, in that culture, in that faith practice, when there was a sin of this severity, when there was a crime like that, it was assumed that the person knew that it was against the other person. But adding the fact that it was against God added weight and gravity to the sin. So that's why we see, if you rewind the story in Scripture all the way back to Genesis 39, when, when uh, Joseph was in Mr. Potiphar's house, and Mrs. Potiphar was putting some moves on Joseph, who did Joseph say it would be a sin against? God. He didn't say it would be a sin against you, Mrs. Potiphar. He said, if I do this, it's going to be a sin against God. And David said the same thing when Nathan came and confronted him. His first response in 2 Samuel 12, verse 13 was, I have sinned against the Lord. So what we're seeing is David's recognition of the weight and the gravity and the severity of, of his sin, that it didn't just affect Bathsheba and her husband, it affected God. It was against God. So David has this, now we're seeing this broken and repentant heart. He recognizes who he is, and he's got two choices. He can continue focusing on himself, or he can turn. Which did he choose? Number two. Right? He chose to turn. He chose to turn, and we see this over and over and over in this passage. You look at verse 1, and you see the very obvious language. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Hey, David has gone from looking at himself to looking at God. Your compassion, your unfailing love. Now, throughout the rest of this psalm, I see some implied you and yours. David may not have written it or may not be in the, in the original text, but it's there. Look at verse 2. Uh, the way it mine reads, it says, Wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin. But I see that implied you. You, Lord, wash me clean from my guilt. You purify me from my sin. You know, I see David starting to write this, and his eyes are down. He's got shame. He's got guilt, right? And then he starts, he starts praying. He starts talking to God, and his eyes slowly start lifting up, and he's realizing that if he turns away from himself to God, then his focus is on God, not on what he has done. I mean, listen to the implied yous from verses 7 to 12. You, God, purify me from my sins, and I'll be clean. You wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. You can give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now you let me rejoice. You, God, don't keep looking at my sins. You remove the stain of my guilt. You create in me a clean heart. You renew a loyal spirit within me. You don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You, Lord, restore to me 
the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. You can see that David's focus in here is on God, right? It's, it's now away from his sin, but it's on God. And here's what's cool. Here's what I really appreciate after this. And in fact, in this, there's only one spot in here where David says, well, let me do something then. And it doesn't come right after Nathan's called him out on his sin. David's not like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, Lord. Let me, let me make this right. Let me fix it. Now, his response is focusing on God. And after, verse after verse after verse of focusing on God, David then gets to the one thing he thinks maybe he could do. That's verse 13. Okay, but we'll start in 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to your rebels, and they will return to you. Only after David has focused on God does he say, okay, now that my attention is here, I'll be able to teach others who may be in the same mess that I've been in, and my goal is to help them return. To return. And it's great because one would expect that after that, David would be like, okay, and after that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. David doesn't. He immediately goes right back to his focus being on God. Forgive me for the shedding of blood, O God who saves. Then I'll joyfully sing of your forgiveness. You, Lord, unseal my lips, that my mouth may praise you. David was taking reps, and he was practicing his turn, his turning towards God. I was talking to Tim earlier this week on Wednesday about this message, and he said, you know, reps are about changing habits and also about changing character. Right? You look at the Olympians. They're going to change a bad habit on their turn to make it perfect so that they have a chance at winning. Now, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are called to the reps of repentance. We are called to regular turning. It should be part of our ongoing daily practice of turning to God. When we do that, we'll realize more fully who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do. Last week we talked about confession. This week, that next step is the turn towards God. And the more we do it, the more natural it becomes. The more character building it becomes. Can you imagine being a world-class, an Olympic-level repenter? Can you imagine being that good to where when you recognize you've done something wrong, you are very quick to turn and say, you know what, I'm sorry, that was wrong, that was a sin against you, that was a sin against God. Can you imagine what your family, what your friends, what the watching world would think? At first they'd be like, whoa, that guy's weird. But then they'd be like, wow, we know where his focus is. I want to do that. I want to be known as someone who will admit my wrongs and turn my eyes to Jesus every opportunity I can. Let's become good at the reps of turning to God. I want to invite Tim on up. He's going to play a little bit in the background, and I'm going to read this psalm again. Okay, I'm going to read it in the, the order in which I taught it, so not 1 through 19, but slightly different. And what I want to encourage you guys to do is just is, is, is find a comfortable position. If, if closing your eyes is natural, go ahead and do that. If not, you don't have to. 
But what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to read this through, and I would encourage you, when a verse or phrase rises to the top, just linger with it. In fact, when a verse or phrase rises to the top, I give you for permission to stop listening to me and just stay with that verse. And allow that to be maybe rep one today of turning your eyes to Jesus. I'm going to pray and then I'll, I'll read this passage. Lord Jesus, as we read this psalm again, I ask that you would give each one of us here, both in person and those engaged in our online community, I ask that you would speak directly to each heart as this psalm is read. As you capture each person's attention, Lord, allow their turning to you through this verse to be a clear and tangible picture of you. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty in the inward parts teaching me, teaching me wisdom even there. You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back the joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Make me willing to obey again. Then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. In the next few moments, just sit with that word or phrase that rose to the top and allow this to be a turning of your eyes and your heart to Jesus.
Father, what a joy it's been to be uh, in community in your presence today. We recognize that your presence is all around us all the time, but there is something sweet about being in a gathered community, whether in person or online. And we're grateful, Lord, that we have that freedom to be able to worship in this way. Lord, we're also grateful that through your son's work, we are able to turn our eyes towards you. We are able to have our, our sins forgiven. We're able to have them wiped clean, as this psalm says over and over, wash me clean. Lord, we do ask that you create in us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within us. As we go this week, Lord, would you help us take steps in our reps of turning? Help us practice on a regular basis of turning our eyes towards you. May we become world-class repenters. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory as this takes place. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for choosing to worship with us today. I know normally we sing a song at the end, but we're not today. Uh, if we were, it'd be a cappella, and it'd be turn your eyes to Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, for the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his wonderful grace, right? I was trying to think through that as I was praying, and I realized if I try and sing it, I might miss the words. So anyways, uh, as you go this week, if, if you're a guest, if you're a first time with us, uh, and somebody hasn't said hi to you, um, go say hi to somebody else and tell them that you're new. Uh, there's a bag on the, on the back uh, for our first time guests. Uh, we'd love for you to have that. And serious about taking you to coffee. If you are a guest or you just want to connect, let me know. Um, there have been many people who have taken to coffee. Uh, this week, listen, as you go and you practice your reps of turning, may God bless you and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace so that his way would be known on all the earth. Amen? amen. And amen. You guys are dismissed.